You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Everybody, welcome to episode 234 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. And we are brought to you by GameMat.eu for pre-painted terrain and neoprene mats and STL files. And also, PanHandle3D.com for all of your printed 3D terrain and also customized mugs and tumblers and dice trays and all sorts of stuff. You've got Event 10 for 10% off at GameMat.eu. And then you've got Podcast 10 at PanHandle3D.com. And then, of course, how could I ever forget my beautiful sexy good smelling patreon patrons i love you all and i appreciate that you shell out some shekels every single month to support the show i truly do appreciate that so what are we talking about tonight well we've got the new scribe so-and-so guy from caradron overlords in the want that or want that not we've got another visit to the winehammer community for the tesseract mailbox and hey guys i need those messages i need letters i need all sorts of stuff so um, please write in at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron. And also, we have a real talk on when and if proxies are acceptable at all. So the rest of the episode runs a little long, so I'm going to keep this intro short here. And sometimes I feel like I blabber on a little too much about my personal life anyway, so I'm going to just keep you up to date. Um, Brutal Space, last issue, I ordered it last week, but it's not going to be here till Monday, so that's sad. Sad face emoji. I had my first uh, library meeting with uh, some teenagers at the library and to play Warhammer and teach them that and all that. I brought the terrain and the mats and all that. One kid already has 2,000 points. He's very into it. Um, he just doesn't have anyone to play with. And then he brought two friends that were possibly interested. I gave, the, I let them split up my Necrons. We played a 700-point game, so each of the new kids got 350 points. And then the kid that was more experienced, supposedly got uh, 700 points. Um, come to find out about halfway through the game or after the first turn, he didn't really, he wasn't really up on the rules, although he, he was like, he wouldn't ask me questions for some reason. So I ended up having to be like, hey, uh, what do you need to, what, what are you shooting now? Because he wouldn't say what units he was shooting or who he was shooting or what weapon or any of that. So, um, but they were all very nice kids. And um, the, one of the friends he brought seemed lukewarm. I mean, he had fun, but I don't know that he'll come back. And then the other kid was very excited about it. So um, he's like, oh, I think Necrons would be my first army. So that made me happy that, uh, you know, hopefully getting another kid into it. And um, they were all very nice kids. There was no issue whatsoever. Um, and uh, that went well. We also had our first night at our new gaming store. And um, we're very sad that the old one closed. But um, we are going to our new game store now. And uh it's well lit. It's um, got a nice bathroom. Uh, and that sounds funny, but you know that's true. Gaming stores need to have clean bathrooms. It's got a nice bathroom. It's well lit. Um, they brought over um, a bunch of train and, and mats from another one of their stores. So now we have a stock of train and mats. I don't have to bring train anymore. And uh, they already had the tables set up for us and everything. Not terrain, but mats and had the tables pushed together. So everything worked very, very well. So I'm hoping that this will be a happy marriage between us and them. We wanted to make sure that they knew that we buy stuff as a group, being that it's our first night. So I bought a uh, Locust Heavy Destroyer, which I have the old ones. I don't have any of the new ones. So I figured, oh, well, I'll, I'll buy that. And then I bought uh, the Ronin comic trade paperback about the Ninja Turtles' last uh, survivor. That seems neat. So that was... um. So I, I spent like 70 bucks there, and uh, hopefully that's like a good impression. I know some other people were buying stuff from there, and uh, our friend Derek's been buying from them. He's buying his whole World Eaters army from them. 
So hopefully they're getting the impression, okay, these guys aren't deadbeats. They're actually spending money. Okay. Um, so I still get sticker shock from some of the GW stuff on the shelf, but but whatever. That's a whole nother st- topic. My friend TJ and I teamed up against our friend David. Uh, David brought, what did he bring? I don't even remember what he brought. Oh, um, uh, Maggot Kind of Nurgle. And I brought my Ossiarch Bone Reapers that are painted like Skeletor. And TJ brought his Sylvanith. And um, we ended up beating David. Uh, we got a, an early lead and we were able to hold on to it. He was catching up to us, but he, even if he did like really bang it out the last turn, uh, he was still going to be down a point or two. So we ended up winning on that. Um, it was a fun game and um, really don't have a whole lot to say about it. And that is about it. So um, I did just recently release a sneak peek preview on the Brutality Skirmish War Game YouTube channel and on the Facebook page linking to the YouTube channel about the settlement mode. So I'm, I'm, you know, all done with Brutal Space. I'm working on the next supplement for Brutality. And um, it's going to be settlement mode where you actually, basically like a video game, you decide, nor- normally in Brutality, the, settle- the home phase is where you go back to your base or wherever you're living, but it's all abstract. There's no models involved or anything. And then you do your passive abilities and you do X, Y, or Z. Well, the settlement mode is going to actually have you building a city or a settlement and then you get npcs to come in and then you get different events happening you get char you get um assaulted and they try to burn down your town or they try to take slaves uh, try to take the npcs and um the npcs can give you uh different buffs if you have a healer or a merchant or etc then also the npcs can give you uh missions when they you know when the time arises and it's it's basically your own little town. You design it exactly how you want it. Um, you might, if you can't leave it out, then you might want to draw a diagram on, on graph paper and uh, make sure you set it up back the next time. And um, it's really cool. Each person needs X amount of uh, three inches by three inches square of living space. So um, that's fun. And uh, you can decide whether it's rural or it's near a city. So then you have different hazards and effects for that. So it's a lot of fun. It really, really is a lot of fun. Now, it's not finished by any means, so it'll be done sometime in 2023, but I wanted to do a uh, review of how the first settlement went and how the warband changed and they got some people. At one point, I lost a uh, a raid. Someone raided my town and I lost it, so all the NPCs have a morale rating, uh, one, two, or three, and every time you'll lose a mission in your town, everyone will drop a morale, and I had my um, my priest, I had a, a Ishtar priest in my town and uh, he was giving us benefits and all but uh no longer he he was only at morale one to begin with and we failed that mission and he left now um so winning some missions can give you an extra morale for all your people so it, it depends and how well you're treating them etc so that's all i'm going to blabber on about that um i think i'm going to get on to the next segment let's open the tesseract mailbox Hey, it's been a while since we visited my very favorite Facebook group, which is Winehammer Community, where they make fun of the people whining about 40k and Age of Sigmar. So let's see what we got here. It's a fresh batch. We haven't looked at it for a while. Here's a post. Some non-males playing 40k at FLGS. I glanced at them, called me a creep, I'm banned, and they wonder why gatekeeping is a thing. Okay, I will take things that absolutely did not happen for 400, Alex. Some (laughs) non-males. What the hell? 
Who refers to women as non-males? Some non-males. This is so off-base. I almost feel like, uh, I feel like it's parody. I feel like it's satire. Because, and he glanced at them, and they called him a creep, and he's banned. I mean, something tells me that if any of this is true, he glanced at them with this thing in his hand, and then maybe that's why he's banned. All right, here's another one. So, like, 90% of my job is being a Microsoft Office jockey, and I'm looking at the codexes, and I just realized that the fancy manuscript print is literally, in, in literally every codex, is just a stock word font, and frankly, I'm upset now. <laughs> Look, would you expect GW just make new fonts? I mean, and if they did, okay, but you would expect them to make new fonts? That's just, people, man, this is an example, I say this all the time, as modern humans... We don't have enough to worry about, apparently, if these type of things make us upset. If this guy, he must live in such a safe and, and welcoming environment that the font in a codex, being that it was from Word, really bothers him. I just, I can't, I can't relate to these people. Alright, this next one's actually in relation to A Song of Ice and Fire, and it came apparently from another group. Someone wrote, those of us who migrated from Warhammer Fantasy know to be thankful for Cool Mini or Not's policy for hot fixing and rebalancing. In Warhammer, we were given a new edition, new army book, and then it was had to wait for three to four years. All sales driven with no concern for balance, they openly admitted to never listening to gamers or doing player-based market research, and they even kept radio silence on their intent to disband the game, even conning more cash from players with the whole end times ruse. Thanks, Cool Mini or Not, for showing concern for gamers and caring about the community. Hold up. Just hold up. Okay, Cool Mini or Not, you're, you are, and now, admittedly, not everything this guy is saying is wrong. I mean, yeah, Warhammer was kind of like that, and they did admittedly not listen to the players. They admittedly were like, oh, we're a miniatures company, not a game company, and they would just make their, their games and then not FAQ it and all that, so... What he's saying is not entirely wrong, but he's going to put Cool Mini or Not up on a pedestal for tweaking or rebalancing Song of Ice and Fire. Okay, maybe Cool Mini or Not actually supports that one game, but if you know anything about Cool Mini or Not, they are a Kickstarter machine, and they make all their money through Kickstarter. And they have Kickstarted, I mean, dozens upon dozens of games now. High-quality, well-made games, and then they never support them ever again. That's that's the whole thing. Like games like Hate, uh, Hate comes to mind immediately. But many, many, many other games, Cool Mini or Not has made. And uh, what was the one? Oh man, whatever. The the point is, is you're actually gonna say Cool Mini or Not is awesome and they love their customers and all of that. But meanwhile, all they do is use Kickstarter. They're a giant company, by the way. They don't have to use Kickstarter. They use Kickstarter the whole time. So they get their money up front, which is not a terrible idea, but it's it's kind of in bad taste if you're already a giant company. Then they make all these games, and many of them are meant to be expanded like hate. And then they're like, oh, yeah, F that. No, we're, we're moving on to the next thing that we can make lots of money off of. Like, they typically, the, the common practice for Cool Mini or Not is to not support their games. So it's hilarious to me that maybe they chose the Song of Ice and Fire okay, but for you to be like, oh, yeah, see, there's so much better. Come on, dude. That is not accurate in the least if you ask 90% of the people that play their other games. All right, I think this next one is way off base. So you know the new Commissar model, right? It's the guy with the power sword, and he's, I mean, he looks, actually, I think I may have covered him in a want that or want that not. He's like your typical 
commissar. He's got a plasma pistol. He's got a power sword. He's got the peaked hat. He's got the trench coat. He's got all of that. Someone replied, I didn't used to think this, but this IP needs to end. This is disgraceful. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, you know, there is a comment on this picture. It says single models used to be $15. WTF happened. Uh, I don't know if this person was in cryo sleep or not, like for the last 20 years, but single models have not been $15 for at least 10 years, if not more, um, when they used to be in little clam packs. So uh, where this person, this guy's like Encino man, he just showed up and he's like, oh my God, things are different. I'm angry. Um, because at first I thought he was talking about the sculpt and I'm like, what do you mean the sculpt? Like the sculpt looks fine. It's not entirely daring, but it's, it's a totally fine sculpt and it looks exactly what you'd expect it to look. It's got some extra detail, etc. So I'm like, what But I missed the single models used to be $15? What the F happened? So what do you, what do you, where are you from? Like maybe he did, maybe he did get out in fourth edition and now he's coming back and now he's like, oh my God, sticker shock. But it's just, that seems, this IP needs to end. <laughs> I just, I don't know, man, these people. Let's do one last one. Let's do one last one. Uh, this one is in regards to the old world coming up. Question. As a veteran who lived through the times when G... Oh, God. As a veteran who lived through the times when GW shat on the community and killed Warhammer Fantasy... I won't buy any miniatures from GW, even if the old world ends up being a good game worth playing, dot, 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 and I have doubts about that. Are there other people in similar positions, and if so, have you already checked alternative miniatures and 3D printing possibilities? Now, hold up. Okay, number one, calling yourself a veteran. I would never, ever call myself a veteran of Warhammer. Not in a million years. I feel like veterans should be designated to actual military veterans. Um, I'm not sure if police veterans or other services call veterans, but definitely military veteran. You can never call yourself a veteran unless you've actually earned the title veteran. Maybe they don't mean it that way, but that comes off to me as like, I don't know. I just don't like that at all. I think that's really, really like a stolen valor, but in the geekiest way. As a veteran who lived through all those bad times when GW crapped on the, the world, etc., um, I'm going to 3D print my models, is essentially what this guy is saying. And if he's such a veteran, he should know that Warhammer Fantasy was canceled because of low sales, correct? I think it's a, it's a well-known thing. Uh, even uh, Alan Merritt said it in my interview. Okay, so if, if GW is canceling games when they underperform, how should you support a game like that? Maybe financially, maybe you buy the models or you buy the books or you buy whatever you can afford to support the game. If you do like the game, this guy's immediately whining that they they screwed Warhammer Fantasy Battle. So now he's going to make sure that what he sabotages the new game as well to the best of his ability. Like, it doesn't make any sense. He's complaining that they canceled a uh, game that was underperforming, so he's going to do his part in helping it underperform when it comes out. I'm like, you're all just stupid. You're just stupid. I think that's enough for the Tesseract Mailbox this week. Um, I know it's a, a weird topic for this, but um, technically it's people having their input, etc. And by the way, I don't have any letters. There's no letters in the mailbox. You guys have... You guys... You guys have let me down, and I'm upset.
No, I'm kidding. But uh, if you have anything to say, email me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron or Instagram uh, slash pimpcron with one P. I don't even know how you say that. Anyway, let's go on to the next segment. Want that or want that not? Well, for this want that or want that not, we are discussing the Caradron Overlord's code right, and he's a new character for Caradron Overlords. Now, the Sky Dwarves do not have a very long list of units. They've got a bunch of characters, like many of the new Age of Sigmar armies, and then they have Grunstock Thunderers, they've got the um, two Bubble Boys, and then they have the troops. Um, I'm forgetting their names right now, but you get the point. There's four infantry squads in this army. Then you've got three different types of ships. And then you've got like eight characters. So, when they were coming out with a new codex of Caradron Overlords, they asked me, hey, Pimpcron, what do you think we should do? Should we do a new unit? Should we do a new flyer? Should we do... And I was like, you know what? I know we've got eight characters, but I feel like, I feel like we need nine characters. And they're like, okay, we got you, buddy. And then that's what they made the code right. So the code right is another character. Does he look bad? No, not at all. He looks perfectly fine for a fat little dwarf that's essentially an accountant. There's truly nothing wrong with this character at all. Um, he is moderately interesting. He's got um, books, and he's equipped with, uh, looks like books. Then he's writing in a book, and then in his backpack he has books. And he's also holding a pen. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's totally fine. There's, there's really not much to write home about. $35 for this guy. It's, it's the typical hero price. Uh, so I guess that's not terrible. Although if you think about it, if you really think about it, $35 is ridiculous for a character, but just that's the going rate. So whatever. He looks neat. He does. He does. He's not knocking my socks off. He looks like a generic dwarf. Um, with a very short beard. I would say too short of a beard, if you ask me. The one kind of cool thing is that he's got these two mechanical arms that are holding the two books he's working with, and he's like, he's referencing one book, it's open with the one mechanical arm, and then the other mechanical arm has turned around to make like a writing platform, and it's holding the other book. That's actually kind of a neat, that's a neat thing. Like, he could have had just like a pile of books, he could have just been holding a book, like... I they did do some extra work in making him kind of unique looking. And his backpack is essentially a bookshelf up top, which is also kind of neat. I have no idea how his runty little arms reach up to those books and back. Don't, don't ask me that. It's possible that his mechanical arms can reach up there. But anyway, there's not a whole lot to say about him. I'm just a little disappointed that Caradron Overlord's got yet another character. That's what they love to do. It must be much, much easier to produce just a single model than a whole sprue of new models and it, try to balance them and give them more gear options and all that. So overall, um, I am not going to be chomping at the bit to buy this. It is a want that for me, ultimately, but I'm going to have to see what his rules are because he's, he's not so interesting at that price point that it's enticing me to buy him. Is that Does that make sense? So... Oh, well, it's basically a want that for me. And if I ever do buy him, then I'll let you know. But in the meantime, no, I'm not going out to buy him. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hey, everybody, it's Real Talk with Pimpcron. And today we are discussing 
when are proxies okay? And what proxies are okay? Because there's a wide world of proxies out there. Everything from your tissue box land raider all the way up to, I mean, really 3D printed miniatures that look almost identical to the real model. Those are also proxies, you know? So, um, and then also, when when is it okay to proxy? Now, of course, this is your game. You know your community. You know how you, you play and what's acceptable. Ultimately, it does come down to whatever you're willing to do. And uh, if you've got like a tight budget or whatever, a lot of people proxy. If you want to try out some units before you buy them, you might want to proxy. I mean, there's many different ways that you might proxy. And in different circles and different communities, it's going to be more or less acceptable. But I'm just talking generally seen by the population of, of Warhammer players. What is acceptable and what isn't? Well, I can tell you right now, a shoebox land raider in most communities is not acceptable. Like, you got to put some sort of effort into it. Okay, so shoebox land raider, soda can, drop pod, those are not acceptable proxies. Okay, I ran into one when I was looking at the Winehammer community, and it <laughs> it really had me on the fence. So this person did a whole Cities of Sigmar proxy army, and they're like, haha, GW price, price hikes, take this. And he's got a full 3,000 points of Cities of Sigmar, and they are all printed out pictures from the internet, and they're about the right size, and he put them on the right size bases with hot glue, and they are literally just printed paper with bases. And I was so on the fence about it because ultimately, I mean, I'm just going to say, it goes without saying, you just do whatever you want, right? And you can take the social consequences if people are side-eyeing you or whatever, but I'm talking personally and from what I've seen. If you intend that for to be your whole army, to just print out pieces of paper, that might be fine for you, but you have to remember that this is a two-player game and your partner very more than likely has assembled their models. Hopefully they've painted their models. They've based their models. You've got a mat on the board. You've got terrain on the board that's hopefully painted. I mean, you're setting up this whole like diorama essentially and some asshats got a whole paper craft printed out army. I don't know, man. If you wanted to do that at proxying one unit, right, that would be fine. If you wanted to proxy two units, okay, whatever, right? Maybe you ordered the models, but you're so anxious to play with them that you're proxying this one unit. Okay, whatever. If you really, really want to do that. But what he made that sound like is that was his whole army. And I'm like, man, that's not acceptable. It just isn't. And I hate to be, I hate to be, you know, gatekeeping like that. I hate to be that way. But honestly, it's not acceptable. Like, you either participate... What if you played golf, right? And you insisted on only golfing with stale baguettes. And you're like, well, this is how I do it. I'm not buying expensive golf clubs. I'm just going to use this stale baguette. Or you bowl with watermelon. Or you... I mean, there's like a million... There, there comes a time in the hobby where you do have to participate in the hobby. Like, you do have to. It's not enough to just get your free rules and then print out your free army. It just, I don't know, man. The, the I was on the fence about it because he did actually give some effort. He did put them on the proper size bases. He printed them out to be the proper size, roughly. I mean, that's all kind of, you know, commendable. Okay, you did something. But come on, man. When it, If you're planning that to be your only army forever, like, that's just, that's not cool. And while no one will kick him out of the game store for that, 
I really do feel like over time he would have a harder and harder time finding an opponent because people took their time and effort to make their stuff look good. And then they're the opposite side of the board. Because think about it, as a player, what you focus on is not your army. You focus on the opponent's army, right? So that's what they're seeing the whole game is a bunch of paper cutouts. And, and his particular way he did it was like, he printed out the model, but left the white around it. So it was vaguely the right size, but there was white background to it. It's not like he perfectly clipped them out. Now, if he had perfectly cut those models out, I would be much more impressed. I think it's a little out of line, but I would be much more impressed if he actually cut them out like every little nook and cranny. What about replacing units with other models? Um... There was one time in one of the narratives at Shorehammer, and you know me, I'm pretty relaxed about everything, so I don't really give a crap, um, because I just think it's a fun game, but people take things a little too seriously, I think, sometimes. At one of the Shorehammers years ago, we had a player show up, and previously he had asked me and sent me pictures, because any proxies need to be approved, right? He's like, hey, I've got a whole, a whole Trogoth army for um, Gloomspite Gets, but... I have, instead of Trogoths, they're werewolves. They're on the right size base. They're about the right size. And Trogoths don't have any war gear. They have clubs. So my werewolves are just going to have claws. And they werewolves regenerate just like Trogoths. So is there an issue? And I was like, nah, man, it's a narrative game. I mean, uh, whatever. Um, I might have the slightest reservation about a tournament because they aren't exactly what you're saying they are. So that can be a little confusing for people. but they don't have war gear, so there's nothing to confuse there. And his entire army was the werewolf leader, the um, Dankhold Trogoth, and then Rock Trogoths. So, I mean, he only had two different types of units. So, I don't know about a tournament. I'm glad we didn't cross that bridge because that's a little iffy territory for me. But in a narrative, I'm like, who the hell cares? They're werewolves. Like, the... the and, and they were painted. They were based like he wasn't he wasn't just ripping werewolves off the shelf and, and plopping them down for a narrative like he that was the way he played his army. And I enjoy doing that as well. I mean, I've, I've got armies that are themed and and proxied and things like that. So I really didn't think it was a big deal, but I did have a couple people complain like, well, that's not even a real GW army. And I'm like, yeah, but he was using the GW rules and they are a pretty darn good proxy for it. They've got regeneration and they've all that. I mean, it. They're a pretty good proxy as far as proxies go. But a few people, one or two people, had something to say about it. So that is just further illustrating that some people are going to be okay with your proxies. Other people aren't. The more rule sticklers, well, actually, uh, that's not a real GW. Is that 90% GW plastic? Like, whatever, man. But my personal opinion, and I think most people won't care. If, you, if he brought his werewolves to his gaming club and said, hey, do you mind if I play against these? It's just two units, and they have no war gear. So you know exactly, I'll even give you the sheet of what I'm playing with. So you know exactly what they do. I don't think, I think 70% of people would have no issue with that whatsoever because he painted them. They're the right size. They're on the right base. And it's not confusing. One of the biggest principles of a proxy is to make sure it's not confusing. So let's go back to papercraft. I said the tissue box land raider, just straight up buying a tissue box and saying, this is my land raider is totally not acceptable. I, I, I mean, sure on your kitchen counter with some friends or something like that. But typically most game stores are going to look down at it and because you're breaking immersion completely. But I have seen some fantastic paper craft of rhinos and land raiders and things like that, where people 
printed it all out and made it and it's the right size and it's 3D and they they put all the I mean people go way deep into papercraft. And honestly, I wouldn't have any issue with that. What it really comes down to when you're talking about proxies is the immersion in the game. Does it break immersion? So it's kind of funny that I was saying that that one army I don't think is acceptable um, to do an entire army and expect that to be your whole army when he didn't cut them out all, all together and, and all of that, and that was papercraft. But then I turn around and say land raiders and, and rhinos I've seen that were true papercraft and were done well. I mean, who cares? At that point, they're painted and they're assembled and they're the right size. I don't have any problem with that. And I think most of you probably would have no problem with that either. And the main reason is that it doesn't break immersion. So at that juncture, the only real difference is that, I mean, it's probably obviously papercraft, but that's not a huge deal because if it's done well, it can have a ton of detail to it. But it's not made of plastic. That's basically the main difference between a very well done papercraft rhino and a plastic rhino is that the papercraft rhino is not made of plastic. And is that really... Is that really the line we're going to draw? It's got to be made of plastic. Then the argument would be made, what about fine cast? What about metal? What about 3D printing? I mean, come on. I, I just don't, I don't think anybody will have an issue with that. So when you're doing a proxy, you're going to want to make sure, one of the main rules is that it's not confusing for your opponent. Okay. Um, it would have been a little better if his werewolves did have some sort of club, because then that is a direct one for one. A club is a club. Okay. And then all they got to remember is, oh, these just look different. And I think a lot of people would probably have slightly less problems um, if he gave his werewolves clubs instead of claws. But the next thing is it can't break immersion. So once again, cut out paper army is not acceptable. Highly detailed papercraft rhino is acceptable by most people's standards. And it's because it doesn't break immersion. And I really don't think that you can do anything for papercraft for soldiers because it's going to end up looking 2D. And even that guy, if he cut all the whites around the models, it would still be immersion breaking because they're 2D and they're very obviously 2D. So I think where you really get stopped there is probably vehicles. You really can't do monsters. You really can't do soldiers. It's basically just vehicles. And that's OK, I think, if it's done well. The third thing is, is if you're going to be proxying, you have to get permission from the other player because, I mean, it is a two player game and they're going to be staring at the other end of it. So they need to be able to see your proxy and they have to be able to go, OK, I can determine what that is. I'll keep in mind what that is, whatever. And I think um, in most cases that will get you out of trouble because you're getting approval from the person. What about 3D printed models? I think in most cases, the community is getting more and more and more accepting of 3D printed models, whether they be a true proxy like a werewolf for a troll or a proxy like these are my Terminators, but they're obviously not GW, but they look 90%, 95% like a Terminator and they have all the right war gear. I think most people accept 3D printing now. Um, I've seen some, I've got a, a friend Ted up in New Jersey and he's got uh, 3D printed catechins that you, if you didn't know Games Workshop didn't make new catechins, or maybe they do now, I don't recall. But at the time when I saw them, GW didn't make new catechins. And I was like, wow, these are the coolest, most realistic looking catechins I've ever seen. And he's like, oh yeah, I 3D printed them. I'm like, oh my God, that's awesome. So in that case, people would be thrilled to see your 3D printed catechin proxies because they look so much better than the real model. So 
I don't think anybody has a real issue with 3D printing anymore. I think that time has passed where people had it up in their butt that they, you know, you can't do 3D printing. But you'll notice one thing I said about the 3D printing is that they had the proper weapons. Now, sometimes, like for a melee weapon, okay, you can say that, you know, a club can be replaced for claws if there's no other options because that's the only option and it can only be one stat line. Okay, you can argue that point, but... I think it's completely not acceptable to be proxying a melta gun for a flamer or a power sword for a power fist or any of the weapons that actually matter. It's one thing to proxy the unit because you like, you know, oh, I'm going to only do Wolfen style space wolves. So I 3D printed these Wolfen Primaris Marines that aren't actually Wolfen, but they're hairy and all that. Okay, that's totally fine. But they better have their bolt guns. They better have their power swords and all that or people start getting irritated. And of course, who usually does that? It's the immature, typically younger, and definitely cheaty people. They're like, oh, oh, this turn it's a flamer. Wait, wait, no, no, no. I mean, in the next turn, it's like, oh, no, no. I meant it was a melt gun. Like, hold up, dude. <laughs> you need to, you need to actually know what it is, and you can't be flip flopping whenever it benefits you. So, um, I think I basically covered all the basics of proxying. Um, once again, it really depends on your community and your opponent. But I would be willing to say if your weapons are wrong and it breaks immersion and it's confusing, then you've got a bad proxy and you should go back to the drawing board. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And I will see you in episode 235 of the Pemcron Warhammer podcast. And thanks to gamemat.eu and panhandle3d.com and my beautiful, sexy, succulent, just always moist Patreon patrons. I'll see you next week.